Thanks for tuning in to Unsponsored Content. I'm your host, Jesse Resnick, bringing you interesting conversations and stories from the world of technology and advertising with industry experts who are creating with curiosity and courage. If it's interesting or innovating, let's talk about it. Welcome back to the third episode of the Identity Series on Unsponsored Content. The next 40 minutes will focus on the needs of buyers and marketers around the world and how their ability to choose the right identity solution or solutions is going to be key for success in the future. So guests, before we get started, I want listeners to be able to recognize your voice. Tell me who you are, where you work, and what you do there. Jeff, we'll start with you. Hi, yeah, Jeff Neighbor, and I'm at Microsoft Advertising, and I'm responsible for our audience business. And Paul? I'm Paul Farrow. I'm a product manager at Xander. I'm in the identity and privacy team, and right now I'm working on cookie-less strategies or strategies for a cookie-less future. Vitor, tell me what you do at Matterkind Brazil. My name is Vitor Belotti. I work at Matterkind as a managing director in Brazil. <laughs> I do everything, so... Being an MD for Matterkind Brazil is about building the team, building the structure, help the team to develop themselves as professionals and provide the best service and work for our clients. And last but not least, Dylan. My name is Dylan Damadasa. I am the head of product at Fincast Australia. My job is really to oversee the product development throughout the Australian business. And I think it's a very exciting time for my kind of role, the transformation in TV. So yeah, my, my job is really to ensure that we push out great solutions and continue to do effective advertising for our clients. Thank you, Dylan. All right, we're going to jump right to question one. I want to know, what does the deprecation of the third-party cookie mean to you and your business? So Jeff, I'll start with you first. Tell me what this means for Microsoft. That's a great question. It means a lot of different things. We're seeing it from a little bit higher altitude than just the cookie, although that is one super important issue to address. We see the industry as an inflection point. So we're browsers, we're operating systems, and where regulators are pushing and trying to drive more transparency and more trust through the ecosystem with obvious implications to sort of the evolution of how we in the ad tech space use data and identity. We know there's a lot of different solutions, but we want to focus on solving the core privacy issues and the core trust issues first. And we need to understand that how we go forward is going to be extremely important for building that trust in the marketplace. So there's ways that we can replicate the past or there's ways that we can carve out a new future. And we're focused on the latter, trying to find ways to build trust into the ecosystem in ways that haven't been done in the past so that we don't have to deal with this again in two or three years or another set of, of legislation or another shift from the browser, the operating system telling us that, that we messed up. So we do believe that advertising is an incredibly important component of our free and our open web. And we know that we've done some great things and funded some great content and great experiences. But in order to keep this innovation occurring, we need to invest in trust like we haven't done in the past. And so from a cookie perspective, there's a lot of different solutions. There's not just a one-size-fits-all. There's first-party identity solutions. There's contextual opportunities. Uh, and then the industry is going to continue to evolve. So I think it's a, a shout to everyone to continue to invest in testing 
and uh, experimentation with new partners that are trusted and with new solutions that offer real value. Very well said. I will say I interviewed about 20 different people and you are the first person to mention the importance of a free and open internet. So I appreciate bringing that up because I think that's a very important piece that not enough people continue to talk about. Paul, what about for you? Yeah, I would concur that that was ridiculously well said. And a couple of points definitely resonated with me that I think the fact that we're at an inflection point is incredibly true. And we're at the intersection right now of where privacy and trust are coming up against some classical digital marketing practices, which are incredibly important for maintaining the open internet, as Jeff said, and should and can be maintained in a privacy first manner. And that's definitely what we're focusing on at Xander. I think it's totally right to not focus on cookies, although, you know, cookies are the thing that gets talked about or the identifiers that get spoken about the most. But we are dealing with a holistic ecosystem in which, you know, device IDs, you know, the, the mobile platforms are adapting to become more privacy centric and also other browser systems, not just Chrome, have already partly at least deprecated cookies. So we're kind of already in the position that we're talking about now, at least for a large portion of our impressions or inventory. But it, it definitely will affect our business, getting back to the sort of crux of the question, because some of the most essential features of our platform have up to this point been at least partly based on unique identifiers. And there's no, there's no getting away from that. We have to rethink the way that we do certain things. I mean, of, of course, reaching audiences is a classic example of that, whether it's by behavior, whether it's um, trying to reach audiences that you've already interacted with as an ad advertiser. Uh, but then there's one of the most essential functions of digital marketing, which is frequency and recency capping, making sure that people don't experience ad fatigue when they're browsing the open internet. It's incredibly important. So on the one hand, we're gonna see disruption we're going to see a change in approach on our platform, but across the ecosystem too. Uh, but on the other hand, this is an opportunity, right? So with disruption, always comes opportunity. And uh, at Xander, we're very much embracing what that new future, privacy-first future could look like and how we can adapt our processes in-house to cope with it or to build new products and features for our customers. I believe this is a moment to rethink the ways that we use to activate media through addressable uh, technologies and et cetera. So it's a way to stop for a minute and say, okay, how we can rethink and how we can rebuild the structures, the tactics, the strategies that we use to apply in our media plans, not only on programmatic, but also for other medias that are now being automated, like digital out of home, addressable TV, and et cetera. Basically, we have this opportunity to see how we have been doing this, maybe in the wrong way or not the best way to adapt and uh, start doing a new way that will be the future, uh, the way that we can target audiences in the best approach for the audience, not only for the brands. And to Dylan, Dylan, tell me what the deprecation of the third-party cookie means for Finecast. In a somewhat fortunate way, it actually surprisingly has a relatively low impact in the BVOD and connected TV landscape. One of the big reasons is Third-party cookies never really existed on TVs to start with. So things like cookies, device IDs, they're often semi-present or they're not available at all in some cases. So we have never really had a legacy business or framework to try and evolve and adapt to cookies. We started from a place they were often absent. So that means that adapting is a lot simpler for a business like ours in the TV space. 
I think it's worth considering that the deprecation of cookies actually comes from a larger place. And there's sort of two parts to this movement, and I think two pressures that we see. One is that it arises from a place of a competitive battle between very large technology companies. And that competition is playing out before everyone's eyes in the industry. And the other pressure really is from privacy concerns from consumers, which is very, very closely coming from regulators. So it doesn't surprise me that we're seeing this pressure and and deprecation. And I think cookies are just a symptom of a much bigger movement across our industry. So what does it mean to our business at Finecast? It's extremely important and pivotal that we consider when we develop solutions, when we build products and solve for things like frequency or audience targeting or measurement and attribution, we consider it. And it's very, very critical that we adapt our business to that. But I wouldn't necessarily call it that disruptive. And I think that's the fortune that TV has. We often joke about it internally, but we often say, if you want to know what the deprecation of third-party cookies means to you, just look at TV. Just look at the connected TV space because it's kind of starting um, from that space. So, yes, significant. We've had to adapt our thinking, the way we develop product, but certainly not disruptive. All very well said. Going back to the notion that was mentioned earlier of adapting and seeing this as an inflection point, we know that achieving relevance is key for buyers. But without third-party cookies, it's going to get harder to meet the desired audiences in the right time and place. So how are you all looking to navigate this? Is there anything you can get a little bit more tactical on? Vitor, let's start with you. Sure. The mindset needs to be a different one. So we are talking with our partners. Metarkind is not a place to work with one technology only. We work with several, several partners on data, several partners on ad tech, DSPs, and etc. So we are working with them and understanding how they are applying the solutions, the new ideas for the data or the third-party cookies deprecation. So we are talking with all the partners, uh, not only the DSPs, but also the data partners and also understanding how they are approaching this new moment, how they are moving forward with new assets like Flux, IDFAs, and et cetera, to understand how we can use these new technologies to our buyers, to our clients in the best way. So Kineso, that is our mother brand for Metarkind, has their own technologies, like, uh, so We are working also internally to build some ID technologies on our side, like merging or using these third-party ones that I mentioned before, so we can have also some exclusive approach, some new ideas to go to the buyers and say, okay, we have our own situation or our own approach to this situation. I think it's a fantastic question. And I think if you think about the last sort of 10 years of how digital marketing has evolved, and you look at how much, how many businesses and capabilities are heavily reliant on identifiers. You almost fall into this assumption that digital identity and, and tracking of individuals is absolutely critical to great advertising. But we know that's a bit of a misnomer because we know that great advertising has existed a lot longer than identifiers have been around and, and cookies have been around. So we just need to look at marketing and advertising and the technology and media that we invest in. We just need to look at it with a different lens. And that can be challenging if you've been doing things a certain way for a very long time. So I guess the question is, how do you find a specific audience or 
How do you find relevance for the right time or the right place? And there are actually many techniques that we'll probably see significant growth in. So, so one way we're looking at navigating this is we're seeing this big resurgence in panel-based methodologies for measurement, attribution, understanding of the audience that I'm buying. And panels are fantastic in a cookie-less environment because if they're done really well, they can give you a good view of how your campaign's performing, how a specific population consumes media. They bypass the requirements or the steep walls put up by walled gardens. Panels help surpass all of this. So I actually think we're going to see a big resurgence. And we've already seen a lot happening in Australia in the TV market. And one thing I'll say is, so panels have a very, are going to have a very big future, I think, in a cookie-less environment. Second area that I've seen that's quite interesting that we're investing a lot of time in is the notion of cohorts. For anyone that's not familiar with cohorts, just think of it as a collection of users. And the purpose of marketing to a collection of users is that you don't have to identify any single individual in the group. You can basically market towards a group. You can optimize, measure, attribute. And so we're seeing an increase in the number of providers that are supporting cohort-based methodologies. So at Finecast, we do that using things like location-based signals. We're able to derive audience pools. We have very close relationships with our broadcasters. So cohorts, panels, and the third area is obviously first-party data. I left that to last intentionally because I think most businesses understand increasing first-party relationships and moving away from, from third-party relationships of data and consumers is going to be critical for the success moving forward. These are just some of the ways. We've also seen a bit of work being done around quite advanced modeling for things like attribution and, and even managing frequency. So I think there are many, many techniques, some which involve identity, like one-to-one -one identity, like first-party data, but there's so much more as well. So I think it's a very exciting time. And as I mentioned, when you look at this with a different lens, it's actually quite a simple problem to solve. Your answers become very clear. The final thing I will say on this is really around first-party data. And that's that first-party data is going to be extremely important, but it will work and be effective in very siloed environments. It's hard to imagine, certainly not in the near future, that there'll be a first-party solutions that really exist across the whole ecosystem. Now, certainly there are attempts to solve this throughout the industry, and I think we'll continue to see more of that. And I think as Finecast, we see huge benefits for marketers or technology companies, for sellers. But I think in the intermediate, we will see that that will be a bit challenged when it comes to scale. And I think that's something that, yes, invest lots in, but think broader than that and think beyond just one-to-one. -one. Jeff, what about for you and Microsoft? There is an incredible opportunity, really, for us to look at the pending changes in Chrome there's upside when it comes to some of these first-party solutions that are, are now activating across browsers like Safari that's never actually had an ability to engage in a third-party cookie. And so there's upside here. But yes, from an immediate sort of best practice, the core investment in first-party data couldn't be more loudly stated. The direct permission-based, consented-based 
Paul talked about TCF and GDPR and CCPA compliance, really that those regulations have driven us to the point where we need to take first-party relationships serious. And that's not just from an opportunity perspective, that's really a compliance perspective as well, but from an opportunity, the ability to engage directly with consumers, the ability to leverage first-party identity and first-party data is the P0 for everyone. And so that means investing in your own, uh, if you're a publisher or a marketer, some marketers are very challenged through the very nature of even their vertical, like the CPG vertical, historically really small footprint of first-party data. But there's new opportunities for direct-to-consumer engagement. And then there's also large parties like Microsoft. And we will gladly take this opportunity to talk about our Microsoft audience network, where it leverages and allows advertisers to leverage data from a first-party perspective alongside large platforms like LinkedIn and Bing and Microsoft News and leveraging tagging infrastructure from partners like Microsoft or other first parties that have privacy-centric first-party tags. I think that's important. We saw through the early 2000s a proliferation of tags like never before, and some of those still exist. But most of that architecture wasn't done correctly from a privacy forward perspective. So it's really important to look at first-party data partnerships and partnerships with tagging providers that really understand what it means to protect consumer data and where and when tracking is permitted. So I know that's a, that's a long answer, but first-party data is for sure the top priority. Followed then by, like my point earlier, experimentation. Contextual is experiencing a renaissance and other direct-to-publisher types of offerings, as well as in the programmatic space, deal IDs that are focused on exploratory data. So it's not just spray and pray like it's been in the past, but our supply-side platforms through those deal IDs can actually help us understand inventory before we purchase it. So I think there's still a tremendous amount of opportunity to use data in new ways. I agree wholeheartedly with what Jeff said. You can already see that in the marketplace, the way that the, our clients are discussing. But just from a technical perspective, it's clear that first-party data is going to be um, more important or more relevant than it has been in the past. What's interesting about first-party data is that the opportunities that surround first-party data have always been there, right? But the kind of the removal of the third-party cookie or the identifier has ushered publishers into thinking in a different way about the audiences that are on their platforms and has encouraged them to try to understand their audiences in a more complete way and in order to leverage those audiences so they can provide values for their buy-side partners. Um, from a technical perspective, Xander's always in the middle, right? We're a DSP, we're an SSP, we're also an exchange, and we're kind of an, an enabler of markets in that sense. So we, we enable pretty much every aspect of the ad tech ecosystem. And from that point of view, we're relatively agnostic, right? It's not clear today which of these solutions is going to win, if I can use a word like win to describe this moment that we're going through. But broadly speaking, we have first-party data, which comes directly from publishers. We have many universal identifiers that approach the, the problem in a slightly different way. We also have clean rooms as well, which are coming to the fore. And then we have the uh, privacy sandbox, which is looming on the edge of everyone's thoughts, but something that's definitely something that should be seriously considered by both the buy and sell side as a, a reality that will hit Chrome in the near future. So it's a tricky path that we have to navigate as Xander because we don't know, as I said, we don't know exactly 
what is going to be the outcome of which the market has to decide which is the most important way to reach a specific audience. And it might be, and it probably will be, in fact, that all of these approaches work for different cases in different situations when you're trying to reach a different audience. So we have taken a, a relatively agnostic approach and we're looking to facilitate ultimately how buyers or sellers want to organize their audiences moving forwards. Well, that was a great segue into my next question, where I want to know about the supply chain and the fact that some buyers are concerned that with the deprecation of the third-party cookie, the supply chain will become fragmented. So, Paul, let's start with you because you mentioned Xander sitting in the middle of everything. What's your point of view on this and what steps are we as Xander taking to make sure that this doesn't happen? I think the concern is justified and I think it's understandable because the situation in the future, at least the way that it looks today, will not be as simple, I'm using quotation marks, as simple as it has been previously. We won't have the same sort of supply chain fragmentation that we had in the days of ad networks before the days of pre-bid and that kind of thing. But at least in the short term, we are very likely, or buyers are very likely to experience some sort of fragmentation to the way that they access the audiences that they're used to accessing. I don't think there's any way of avoiding that. But the way we mitigate that as an ecosystem and the way that we mitigate that as a business is it goes back to the point that Jeff was saying about testing and making sure that we're on the forefront of all of these technologies so that we understand, first of all, we understand the what or the who or the which audience our buyers are trying to reach. And then we understand as deeply as possible about how those audiences can be reached using the technologies that are facilitated by our platform. Now, we have multiple different strands and ideas of the ways that we're looking to make audience buying or reaching your audience a more holistic and simpler process on Xander. But the fact of the matter is, as it exists today, there's still some work to do before we get to that holistic place where reaching a specific audience is as simple, again, in inverted commas, as it has been in the past. Thanks, Paul. Now, Dylan, what's your perspective from Finecast's point of view? That's a great question. So I think it's hard to imagine that there won't be a scenario where we see a bit of fragmentation. But the one thing, and I think the immediate assumption is that fragmentation will therefore mean less effective marketing, more challenges for businesses, particularly brands, to target the right consumers and manage things like total frequency. But the one thing I'll say to challenge that is fragmentation is not new to the advertising industry. We have operated in a fragmented ecosystem since the beginning of marketing. There are challenges when it comes to stitching linear TV and streaming TV and BVOD. There are challenges with linking that to out of home and cinema. So agencies are very well versed in this challenge. And the more systems and the advancements that are happening right now in planning, in the systems we use and the tools, combat fragmentation already. It's just that potentially the luxury of a a universal ID or the luxury of of a universal cookie is probably going to be less prevalent in the future. So when it comes to supply chain, will we see fragmentation? Potentially, we'll see a little bit of fragmentation. But what I think is likely to happen is we'll see a small number or small to medium number of quality silos where identity works very, very effectively. Are we going to see the perfect universal identity that tracks us no matter what kind of media we consume and what kind of advertising is shown to us? I think that's unlikely. If you think about where privacy is going and where regulators are moving, 
think it's hard to imagine that a future where there will be perfect tracking and perfect identity. So fragmentation, yes, it will be there, but certainly it's not something to be fearful of. Actually, we have very, very good systems and, and practices in place to adapt to that. And that could be as simple as things like reach planning, it could be modeling and the other methods that I've mentioned. And Vitor, what's your take on behalf of Matterkind? I believe this was the first feeling from everyone in the market. So this fragmented market, like silos and et cetera, using their own first-party data and only that. But with all the evolution during the last few months, we can see that this is not the approach that will be leading the business uh, from now on. So I believe that all these changes will bring us to a more transparent markets, okay, where we can navigate between data assets, between technologies on buying and selling inventory and, and also data in a way that we have like more compliance ways to work with data. So it's not a bad thing again. I only see good outcomes from all this moment that we're passing through. The way that we are approaching and talking with our partners is also in that way. So we are asking them how we can work better with data, how we can connect first-party data from our uh, clients to their technologies, to their ID approach, and et cetera. So we can build up with maybe our own platforms and also external ones to have this new mindset or a new approach to activation of media. Jeff, got to hear from you and Microsoft. We're at an interesting point for sure. From a fragmentation perspective, I definitely see the risk on the horizon. Agree. It shouldn't be quite as bad as when sort of the RTB protocol was first launched and other ways we've been through. And I think it shouldn't be that because every partner, every publisher, every marketer needs to really do extra due diligence that wasn't done in the past. There's a lot more at stake now. And so uh, scrutinizing the supply chain for every partner actually helps strengthen the entire supply chain. You know, we all sort of suffer from that weakest link. I think Xander's insight or any of the true SSPs are in a really risky situation or position in the market if all of the supply chain isn't scrutinized like daily. And obviously there's tons of investments in fraud, but now that has to go to that next level when it comes to consent, when it comes to legal capabilities and legal terms that need to be managed in real time in bid requests. That's a big challenge. So I think there's a lot of risk. I think each new partner needs to be looked at through a big lens, whether that is understanding where they have contractual obligations, where they have technical capabilities. So I think everybody needs to take supply chain management at the deepest level to heart um, in everything we do. And I, I think when it comes to what steps we're taking, well, we're definitely doing this. There's a bunch of new ID solutions that have been pushed out into market, and we're looking at each of them very deeply. And we're not just saying, yep, okay, we like the hero slide and the PowerPoint, and let's sign up and test it. We're going through methodologies. We're going through core values of companies. We're understanding architecture at levels we've never done in the past because it's just too risky not to. So I think that's the call out for everybody. And when it comes to first-party data and first-party identity specifically, that's paramount. We can't risk jeopardizing this first-party relationships with consumers. We personally at Microsoft have lots of different stakeholders and businesses. And, you know, we think this marketplace does as well. There's consumers, there's publishers, marketers, all of them need to have 
a successful experience for this thing to work, for this to be a successful economy. So we're trying to invest in all of them. Right now, we're focusing heavily on the browser experience for consumers. And we are doing similar things to what Google is doing with their flock and fledge proposals through the privacy sandbox. But we have a different approach to where the marketer sits and where the ad tech ecosystem sits than where Google's proposals are showcasing. We actually believe our Parakeet proposal does a phenomenal job of protecting consumer privacy and choice but it also gives transparency. It gives control to the user to be able to use that at their discretion if they want to participate with sharing data or if they don't. It's up to the consumer. But then the similar choice needs to be passed to the publisher when it comes to their ad tech and the marketer when it comes to their ad tech. And so we're trying to allow auctions to occur in ways that they've done in the past that have driven a lot of that innovation that has driven value for publishers and for marketers. So we are investing heavily in that. There's a lot of other investments, but I think that's probably the most top of mind. And for anybody listening who wants to know more about Parakeet, there's a bevy of information on GitHub. It's open for comment. We're continuing to rev on that. And we think it's really important to drive that as a standard for browsers across all browsers. We'd love for Chrome to adopt it. Obviously, Safari and Firefox are super important, but we think the web is super important to invest in from all three sides of those marketplaces, not just the consumer or not just the browser, but obviously all constituents matter. So shout out to everyone to uh, go to GitHub and comment, please. Can you give us a quick one sentence overview of what Parakeet is? Think of it as a very similar sandbox type of approach to where the browser can institute controls to protect privacy for their consumers through browser protocols while also preserving advertising and monetization and analytics capabilities through new bespoke services that are going to be available via APIs for publishers and for marketers, but aren't going to be just wholesale available through dropping identifiers. So a very similar approach to Google when it comes to making the browser more safe and secure to first-party relationships, but also really, really viable from a, a monetization and an auction perspective to still allow DSPs and SSPs to work like they're intended to work to drive value for marketers and publishers. That was not a one-sentence answer. I'm working quite a lot on the Parakeet proposal, as Jeff may or may not know, and, and it's crazy interesting what's happening in the privacy sandbox. And what's really good about the Parakeet proposal specifically is, uh, firstly, that there is another proposal, right? Like that, because the the Chrome proposal, which is also really interesting, and, and we're we're also engaged on that proposal. But the Chrome proposal came out, and then also the Parakeet proposal has come out, and they have a lot of similarities. So one of the main similarities is the fact that they it brings sort of grouping of audiences or segmentation of audiences into the browser, as Jeff said, and not outside where it traditionally lives or inside the third party identifier. It brings it inside the browser. But then they differ quite substantially in kind of where we would work then. So what does the next 18 months and even next few years look like for you with all that's going on in the industry? The biggest areas I think that we're investing in, the one advantage that Finecast has is that we work with broadcasters. We work with streaming platforms. We have direct relationships in everything that we do. And the benefits of that is that you're moving and transitioning and building a business around first-party relationships. You're not working with a supplier of a supplier of a supplier of a supplier. There isn't this sort of long chain when people talk about supply chain problems. We don't have that 
disadvantage or we're not shackled by that challenge. Instead, what we're seeing in, or what we're investing in, it means we, we're close to first-party data and first-party relationships via our broadcast partners. And it also means we can start to work on them on ecosystem problems through adoption of panels. In Australia, we recently had the launch of Virtual Australia, which is basically a TV panel that merges both linear TV and broadcast video on demand, which is a fantastic achievement. So you can see fundamental shifts in TV transformation that are a result and, and that we are investing in to help us deal with things like cookie deprecation or IDFAs disappearing from the Apple ecosystem. These are the kinds of things that we're investing in. We've also done a lot of work around reach-based modeling and attribution work. We're starting to see very significant benefits for clients in this space. These steps, are we ready? I think that's a great question. I think Fancast is absolutely ready. But more importantly, we are adapting and investing, and I would say making not just one bet. If there's one piece of advice I would say to businesses right now, is it's probably not the time to make one huge bet. This is a time to spread your risk in many areas and identify all the different impacts to your business because we don't really know where regulation events are going to take us in terms of privacy. So it's important that we have solutions that accommodate clients that have a broad gamut of needs, but more importantly, can adapt to the market as we see impacts with the relationship of consumers and the media they consume. So I think the steps that we're taking, the number one thing I can say is definitely spreading risk when it comes to your long-term investments, not huge bets on, on any one specific thing, because I don't think there is one solution or one answer that is really going to tackle this problem. It's going to be a mix of five or six things. I'm learning a lot for the last few weeks. And one of the things that I saw internally is that we have a lot of technologies on audience. So we are building with Media Brands team, with IPG Group, and et cetera in Brazil for all our partners and also our clients, a way to approach these audience tools. We have been doing a lot of conversations with direct partners, local ones and regional ones, to bring these technologies to Brazil and help them in a way that we can use like contextual targeting. So we are mixing first-party data, mixing compliance data, mixing contextual partners and all the technology that we have inside and outside from third-party vendors. We have a solution to help the clients, the brands, in a way that the consumers receive the media and we can activate the media in all the touch points that we have already in addressable media in the best way to approach the consumers? Such a great question. There's so many different areas to focus on. So as we talked about a lot, we're focusing aggressively on first-party data and authentication. Our consumer experience is something that we're trying to bring into all of our publisher investments, our browser investments, and our advertiser investments as well across each of those products. So injecting trust from a consumer perspective and making sure the consumer is at the center of all of our experiences is a P0 across all. I think the immediate shift on all of the experimentation, on all the new products, on all the new identity partners that exist is really important to stay abreast of all of the innovation. And so we're testing aggressively with as many partners as past the bar from a privacy perspective, 
But we're also, to your point about even longer term, we're looking at where does the evolution of Web 3.0 come into play? Where is the future of decentralized identity or decentralized experiences going to come in and, and affect our model? And is this a great thing? Does this prevent us from the large walled gardens owning identity and owning data? So we're making investments there. I think it's important for everyone to realize that that could be a really important part of our future if you look at where a lot of startups are investing heavily across decentralization. So we're looking towards that future, as Paul had mentioned, and trying to understand where the larger trends are that are going to impact our industry and, and stay ahead of it this time versus having big shifts like this come at us quickly out of nowhere. So lots going on across our businesses. It's so fascinating. Paul, do you have anything to add? So we're focusing a lot on model solutions. So we, we don't actually have to rely necessarily on unique identifiers to solve a lot of the problems which clients need solved right now. So for example, frequency and recency capping, when we go to our clients, it's probably the most heard use case that they want to continue in a cookie-less world or an ID-less world. They want to make sure that their end users or the people they want to display their advertisements to do not get ad fatigue, which actually no one wants. Frankly, no one wants across the open internet to be flooded with with advertisements. So we're working and investing very heavily, in fact, it's one of my projects, on how we can implement a frequency cap-like solution using data science models. But that's not the only model solution we're building out. We're also investing heavily in contextual things like this so that we don't have to be in a position where we're reliant upon any sort of identifier, but rather just we are able to give our clients what they need based on the, the initial requests that we see. Thanks so much, Paul. And also thank you to Jeff, Vitor, and Dylan for sharing all this knowledge and even some secrets about how you're thinking about the next 18 months. We've all learned so much listening today from leaning into first-party data and authentication and even learning more about how to lean in to contextual targeting to compensate for this cookie-less world. Don't forget, next week is the final episode of the Identity Series, where we have a group of publishers around the world talking to us about what they're expecting in the next 18 months as the third-party cookie goes away. So thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the mini-series so far, and we'll see you next week. Unsponsored content is produced by Christine Rubenstein and Sound by Laura with special support from the Xander Communications team. For the latest updates and to get caught up on season one, follow us on social media at Xander on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you like this podcast or wanted to give us feedback, follow, rate, and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. See you later, alligators. The views or opinions expressed by the speakers are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Xander Inc.